Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Better Life and Recovery. I'm your host, David Stoker. Today we're going to be talking about recovery and in particular, pro-social activities and how they strengthen your recovery. Uh, I am dog tired right now. I just got done coming back from a... Uh, a float trip. It was our first float of the year. Um, it was great, but we tend to be kind of insane. So, uh, and I mean that in a way that we just, uh, I don't function like normal people and neither do a lot of us. So we were up until 3.30 talking and fellowshipping, playing cards, sitting around a fire. You know, we did a lot of different fun things yes, uh, yesterday. And then today we went on a float trip and it was amazing. Water was super cold, but the weather was beautiful. You know, uh, we try every year for our first stream team float to be Niangua. And it was really, really nice. So what I really want to talk about today, though, is this uh, concept of pro-social activities. It's really been one of the foundations, one of the building blocks in my recovery, I think. And I think uh, a lot of times people don't have solid recoveries because they don't continue to add things to their life. They reach a point where they kind of get complacent. Uh, I I think that's one of the reasons that, that I see people that continue to go back. I see people that are miserable. I you know, uh, go, go to meetings and walk away thinking, man, if that's what sobriety looks like after five, 10 years, I don't know if I'd want it if I was a brand new person coming in. You know what I mean? Um, the life I have today is amazing. And a huge reason that my life today is amazing is because I've built a life worth living today. You know, um, I have made myself vital to my community today. I make my community a better place simply by being in it. So uh, if you look at SAMHSA, SAMHSA says that there's four major domains to recovery, and they talk about um, health, home, community, and purpose. What is your purpose? You know, I know we've talked about that um, in uh, some of the uh, podcast stuff we've done. We've talked about finding your purpose, right? That thing that makes you happy, that helps make society better and that you're good at. Um, And that's been a huge thing for me is realizing that I like to do stuff. I always have. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons that I was really attracted to methamphetamine back when I was actively using other than, you know, besides the fact that it was a solution to my trauma that was never addressed from all the childhood abuse I went through. Um, I also found that it helped me stay awake and I could get a lot of things accomplished, even though in all honesty, I never got anything accomplished. It was an excuse, right? But 
as I got sober, I started trying to figure out where I fit in. And I started trying to figure out how it was going to be different this time because I had tried multiple times before. And each one of those times, I never spent more than 30 days out of um, treatments before I would go back to using. Never more than a month. I mean, literally, I think the longest that I went without using over the course of uh, 25 years was right at 60 days. So I could never make it over that hump of one month out of a 30-day residential treatment. In fact, a lot of times I, I, I didn't last a week or two after I got out of there. And whenever I finally decided that, hey, this time I'm going to get sober, I'm going to stay sober, I realized that there were some things I needed to do that I really hadn't tried before. I had tried to get, uh, I tried to stop using for other people. Um, I had tried to start stop using to uh, make people proud of me. I had tried to stop using because I didn't want to go back to prison uh, because I really didn't want that prior and persistent eight and a half year sentence. Um, I tried not using for everybody but me, you know. And I've always said uh, I believe there's multiple pathways to recovery. Christ was a huge piece of mine, you know. Um, so that was one of the new things. Uh, but I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you at, as soon as um, I got saved, my life instantly became better. And all of a sudden, uh, I didn't have any cravings, any problems, anything like that. The truth is it did become simpler, but it also became simpler because I started pouring myself into stuff. Um, if there wasn't something, I would try to create something. And that's something that I, I'd never really done before. Right outside of maybe after parties at my house, that was probably the only thing that I'd really created before. And what I saw was that there were a lot of people who were going into rooms and they were getting sober and they were sitting around in these rooms and they were sharing their recovery with other people who were also in recovery or people who were wanting recovery. But that message wasn't reaching people in the community. And because nobody in the community was getting that message, uh, because most people in the community have no clue what recovery looks like. There's a lot of fallacies that surround recovery, and that's one of the things we really need to work together um, to, to, to combat. You know, uh, where people think that it is just uh, somebody is weak-willed, it's uh, a moral defect, uh, it's a moral character problem, it's a... It, all these things that people believe, <clears throat> instead of thinking, hey, you know what, this may actually have some physiological issues, some impacts. Uh, there could be some brain issues there. Uh, you know, this is a chronic relapsing disease of the brain. That's one thing that we do know. We can talk about why it's a disease under a couple different things, but that's a completely different thing, and I really don't want to get into a training. I really want to talk about recovery supports, and I feel like I'm shying away from that a little bit, kind of going down a rabbit trail. But honestly... I would sit there and try to figure out – I would get bored, and that was one of the things that led me back in the past. What did they say? Idle hands are the devil's playground. And Literally, if I was bored, I would start thinking, well, at least I had fun stuff to do when I was actively using it out there, or at least I had stuff to do. It might not have even been that fun, but at least it was something, and if I didn't have people in my life, I, I was like, well, at least whenever I was actively using, I always had people blowing my phone up. Now, don't get me wrong. Those were the people that I used to consider friends. 
um, were the same ones that when I spent 16 months in prison, never once came to saw me, never once put money on my books. Uh, and I was that kind of friend too to them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that it wasn't the exact same way. But what I am saying is that in our addiction, we have a lot of fair weather friends. We have a lot of people that are there for us. Uh, I always said I had people that probably would have taken a bullet for me, but if somebody would have given them the right amount of money, they probably would have put a bullet in me. And over time, I realized that that I was a fair weather friend and I used people just like the people I surrounded myself with were fair weather friends and they used me. So I realized that I needed to start in recovery building solid relationships, building friendships, and working together with those people that I became friends with to try to change the conversation in the community, you know, to go from, oh my gosh, these people are disgusting and horrible um, when talking about people with substance use disorders to saying, hey, look at all the amazing things these people are doing to make their community better, right? Which is why we have a stream team, uh, which is a group of people in recovery and their families who float. Uh, the, this float that we just did uh, today was actually just a fun float, right? And it kind of sucked. We bought 10 brand new kayaks. We have never used them. We brought them out to the river with us. And the water was so high that we couldn't take kayaks out. Um, the only thing that we could use were uh, rafts. So we have 10 new kayaks that are still pristine and have not been in the water yet. And that kind of broke my heart. But we got to go in. But what was really uh, cool, though, was last year when our stream team picked up three and a half tons of trash out of Missouri Riverways. Um, we have gone in and worked with Springfield Public Schools to paint elementary school playgrounds. And since we've started uh, Better Life and Recovery, I think we've painted 11 elementary school playgrounds. We have uh, done a lot of volunteer work for uh, Harmony House, which is the largest uh, domestic violence uh, play, uh, house in the state of Missouri. Uh, we, we do a lot of positive things because I think that's what people in recovery do, right? I used to make my community worse. Today, I make my community better. And then we also do a lot of fun things like Fun Float today. Um, next weekend, we will all get together. We'll eat pizza and we'll watch UFC fight together. Uh, we've actually traveled and gone live to a couple UFC fights that have been close uh, we try to laser tag or paintball once a month. Uh, we bowl once a month, even though lately it hasn't been once a month. Um, that may be something we need to get back to, is doing that more frequently. Um, we have educational things that we do in the community where we literally go out to the community, right? We uh, partnered with the Missouri Recovery Network and the Missouri Mental Health Foundation, under the guidance of Michael King from Facing Addiction, uh, under some of his uh, his leadership abilities and talking to us and helping us kind of focus on something, we made the documentary Not My Child, which is a documentary of parents who have either lost their kids to overdose or uh, who have kids in recovery, trying to normalize the conversation and educate families so that maybe there's a little more education out there, uh, Maybe it's easier for parents to admit that there might be an issue and to pinpoint that instead of overlooking it. So those are the types of things that pro-social activities are. It is working with other people um, to make a difference in your community. It is getting together with people, and they don't have to be people in recovery. 
But I think the essence of recovery is that we do some of the things that we've always done, right? Um, whether it's going to church, going to meetings, whatever it is that helps you step into recovery. But then we build it up from there, right? I, uh, I used to have a sponsor. And that bugs people sometimes when I tell them that I no longer have a sponsor. But I will tell you, the last thought in my head is using. Um, it wasn't very, uh, just a couple weeks ago. I thought that I might have uh, cancer, and was having to get extra tests ran to figure something out. And never once did, oh my god, I should. This is so horrible. I should use. Cross my mind. Instead, it was like oh my gosh, I really hope that this isn't something serious because I'd really like to see my kids grow up. You know, my focus has shifted. And now, even if there is a thought of using that crosses my brain, I have interventions and support saying I can, uh, somebody, I've heard it called thought surfing and more people call it playing your uh, tape to the end. But I can sit there and look at all of the negative things that would happen if I were to make that choice and then not make that choice. But eventually I got to a point where I think a sponsor should be somebody whose life I want in five years. And it was hard for me to find a sponsor, to find somebody whose life I wanted in five years. Now, what I did want was a really successful nonprofit and I wanted to be a better dad and I wanted to be a better husband. So I found a mentor that was all three of those things because that's the guy that I want to be like. I want to be like the guy that I look at and I go, oh my gosh, that, that dad is amazing. Oh my gosh, he's such a good husband. Wow, look at that nonprofit and the good that it's doing for people in the community. And that's where my focus is today. I could care less about getting high. You know, um, it's kind of one of the cool things about sitting around a campfire now uh, with a bunch of people that are going out on our floats. Uh, I used to go on those events even after I got early in sobriety and people would still sit around and, and it was mostly war story when you'd sit out there around the fire and now I find that it's a lot more joking around and having fun and uh, playing, you know, playing frisbee. Uh, there's light up frisbees we were playing with last night around the fire. And like I said, playing canasta, like I'm 60 years old and now I'm playing canasta with people, you know, uh, and I'm not 60. I mean, I'm not even 50 yet. I still have a couple years. So, yeah, I'm old enough to play canasta. But anyway, you know, but those are things we do now. Uh, there was a... A guy uh, and his wife with a couple of little kids, and something happened, and we ended up needing to go back to him to help for help. And whenever we left, I was like, you know, back in the day, I don't know if I would have been nice to him, or <clears throat> if whenever I came to ask him for help, he would have told me to kiss off because of how I treated him. You know, now I treat people well, and I treat people with respect, and I respect others, and I'm trying to figure out ways to get people more active in their community. I'm trying to get people to be, refer to themselves more and more often in public as a person in long-term recovery instead of calling themselves a recovering addict. I'm trying to change some of that language. Um I always say, I don't care what you call yourself in a meeting, but when you go out of that meeting, when I sit around in a meeting and I talk about, hi, my name's David and I'm a grateful recovering addict, if that was language that I were to choose to use, everybody in that circle knows exactly what that means. 
On the other hand, if I'm sitting there talking to Joe Public, who's never had a substance use disorder, and uh, I say, my name's David, I'm a grateful recovering addict, here's addict. You know, I always say uh, the subject of that sentence is addict, and grateful and recovering are just adjectives. So I, I like trying to do recovery language training and teaching people how to talk when you go in front of business owners and when you go in front of politicians, uh, when you go in front of people that, that may hold a lot of sway because I want them to stop looking at us like junkies and convicts and alcoholics and start looking at us as people who make our communities better. I mean, do you want to know why they don't fund us? Do you want to know why there's not enough funding for treatment and uh, prevention and early intervention and harm reduction and recovery supports? Because they don't look at us and see the potential of recovery because they never see that, right? People don't recover out loud in community. They sit around in clicks and they recover in clicks and then they don't go out in community and talk about it the way they should. In fact, sometimes people get caught up in this anonymity thing. And I will tell you now, anonymity doesn't mean that I can't talk about my recovery. Now, it, it may say that, hey, I can't go out and say, hi, my name's David, and this is I represent this, uh, this mutual support group, right? It also means that I'm no better than anybody else in that group. It also means that I'm not going to see somebody that I saw at a meeting, Walmart, and be like, hey, I saw you at that blah, 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 blah meeting talking about how, how much trouble you've been having not using heroin lately, right? I mean, that's kind of what anonymity means. Anonymity doesn't mean that I can't talk about my recovery and we need people to talk about their recovery. We need people to recover out loud in community and talk about all the amazing things that they're doing so that people will realize that we get better. Uh, I know when I was actively using and younger, the only people I knew who would use the drugs that I did and were no longer using were dead. And literally, I thought that was the only way I was ever going to stop using. Someday, I'm going to die, and then I will no longer be in this pain anymore. And to me, that was an, an amazing thing to the point that, you know, I mean, I've slashed both my wrists to the point that... Um, to the point that I, I've literally, on my birthday, I would sit there and play Russian roulette one time on my birthday every year. I remember making a deal with my sister after she found me unconscious with both my wrists slashed that I would never try to kill myself again. But I justified Russian roulette just on my birthday once a year because I'm like, it's not really suicide. It's, it's, it's fate or luck. So that's, that's the level that I was to because I never thought that I would be able to accomplish anything outside of substance use. I never thought that I would get sober. And we need people that are going out in community and sharing the fact that not only is recovery possible, it's stinking amazing. You know, I have a, an amazing wife today. I have two wonderful kids. I have a career that I never would have dreamed that I would have. I have friends, like friends, that care about me, not because I have drugs, not because I have money, not because they want to sleep with me, not because they're intimidated by me, but because they actually like me as a person and like to hang out with me. And I like them without having any qualifiers on it, right? I used to say I didn't take friends, I took hostages, right? I mean, I didn't make friends, I took hostages. And, and today, the friends that I have in my life are amazing. 
I mean, that's what recovery is. Uh, you know, I have so many people that are doing so many incredible things all around the country, right? I mean, if you don't know who Ryan Hampton is, look up Ryan Hampton and see some of the stuff he's done in the last five months, right? Um, you're going to find pictures of him with Elton John. You're going to find pictures of him with Barack Obama and pictures of him with uh, Bill Clinton and pictures of him with Macklemore um, as they put together a sober concert. Um, he was one of 15 social innovators that was invited to Google for this community project they're putting together. I mean, that's what recovery looks like. Recovery looks like you being a, a mom or a dad, um, being a good employee, um, having an ethical code that you live your life by today, uh, showing up for work every day because you're not hung over, strung out, or, or, or detoxing, right? Um, that's what recovery looks like. Recovery looks like uh, the guy that's on the side of the road who stopped to fix somebody's flat whenever they had one and didn't have a jack. Um, you know, sometimes we think of like the Ryan Hamptons and we want to compare ourselves to that. And man, don't compare yourself to anybody. Uh, I would make a really crappy Ryan Hampton. I would make a really crappy you. But what I found out is in recovery, I make a really good me. And I'm able to make a really good me because I'm going out and living my recovery out loud, sharing it with other people, right? We're going back to the hope dealer credo that says, if you have overcome something and you share that victory with other people to give them hope that they can get better too, you're a hope dealer. And I want an army of people out there dealing hope. It doesn't have to be substance use. It can be cancer survivors. It could be... Uh, sexual abuse survivors it could be people that have overcome pornography gambling addictions eating addictions uh codependency power and control issues i mean there's so many different things out there that 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 people sit there and go i will never get over this right and they've tied that knot in their rope and they're holding on for dear life and they're about ready to let go and give up because they know they will never get better and here you walk up and you share almost their exact same life story except you have recovery and an amazing second chapter that you share with them and all of a sudden that person goes hey you know what maybe if they can do it i can do it too or we share it with that family member who has given up on their loved one. And after hearing our story, they say, you know what? Maybe I'll give them one more opportunity. So we need to be out there. And that's what pro-social is all about. It is about doing positive things in the community for the community and having fun in community. But it's all about community, you know, and, and finding that purpose in your community. And I want your purpose to be advocacy and to be encouragement and to be um, that hope dealer. That's what I want for people. I want us to be out there sharing all these amazing things that we're doing. And I want you to be able to come with us on the float trips. Come with us to the laser tag. I mean, we had uh, 17 people show up for this first float. I'd love to make it bigger. You know, um, I've still saved a couple months. I would really love to uh, partner with St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, Cape Girardeau, Sykeston, and bring par my group up to your group, and we'll float one of your rivers. Like St. Louis, we will um, 
float like the Miramac or something or go up to KC, Cape, you know, one of those things and float something down there. And then you can come join us on ours, right? Because that's what this is all about is us getting together. And the more people we have together, the louder our voice, the louder our voice, the bigger our footprint, the harder it is for people to ignore all the amazing things people in recovery are doing. And we can change the stinking conversation overnight, right? It can stop being, oh my gosh, I don't want, you know, we've, we've had something here in Springfield recently where neighbors are complaining about a recovery house in their community. I guarantee you if they knew 30 people like us, I guarantee you if they knew five people like me and you who are watching this that are killing recovery and doing an amazing job, they wouldn't have those problems. They wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I don't want those people living with next to me. They'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have to worry about large, these huge, loud parties every night. Oh my goodness, I'm not going to have to worry about them being jacked up and running over my kid because when they're speeding out or speeding in um, when my kid's playing outside, right? Um, they're not going to have to worry about, oh my gosh, these people may steal something. Instead, they're going to be sitting there going, wow, these people... These people make the community better. Look how nice their lawn is. I mean, if you look at some of these recovery residences, they've got the best lawn on the entire block. In fact, sometimes they are helping their neighbors mow lawns whenever they have elderly or disabled neighbors. They're going over there and doing it for them because that's what it looks like, because that's pro-social, because that is me finding a purpose, and my purpose is helping you and letting you know what recovery looks like. It looks amazing. And man... I, I see the names of the people who listen to this and watch this and engage with me. And I know what a lot of you guys are doing and you guys are doing amazing things too. You know, um, but man, if you're in Missouri, get a hold of me. If you want us to come visit you guys, get a hold of me and we will come out there and we'll do something. Uh, stream team flow. We'll meet up with you guys and put together some kind of a, a function or an event and I'm not going to cap it with a certain name or group um, as far as like a certain mutuals of respect group. Like, like I'm a CR person. Um, I really like Celebrate Recovery. And there are a few other things that I'm really big on. Um, I still like to go to 12-step uh, meetings on occasion. But I'm not going to sit there and call it NA or AA or CR. A, I couldn't. Um, because I am not a representative of any of those. But B, why would I want to and marginalize other people? I want anybody and everybody that's in recovery or cares about somebody in recovery or cares about somebody with an active substance use disorder or somebody who has questions and wants to learn more. I want them all to feel welcome, right? I don't want them to go, well, you know, uh, man, my recovery is Jesus, so I don't feel like I can go there. Oh, you know what? Everything that I believe is out of the big book, so I don't think that I, I, I'd fit in there. If you're in recovery or you care about recovery or you have a little compassion and empathy for people, you fit in with anything and everything that we do, right? And we need you um, because like I said, the more of us there are, the harder it's going to be for people to ignore all the amazing things we do to make our community better because that's what recovery looks like. And I guess that's my message really um, is I'm exhausted. I probably rambled a lot because my brain is skewed because I stayed up till about four and I think I woke up at six um, last night because when you're sitting around a fire 
and you're talking, time flies really quick. And then when you walk in and somebody says, hey, want to play a game of Canasta? You go, heck yeah, I want to play a game of Canasta. And then when everybody else goes to bed and there's like three of you, and, and then you think, hey, let's play three-handed Canasta. I've never done that. Next thing you know, you're doing that too. All of a sudden, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. You're laying down, and then you're like, crap, we got to wake up at 6 because we got to get pancakes and coffee and go floating. Uh, fortunately, I, I sat there and watched other people make pancakes. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was more than happy to lay there on my air mattress in this cabin that we rented out um, and let the people who had slept in a bed make the pancakes, and I did not feel guilty about it at all. Not one bit. Um because I, I I also enjoy letting other people be of service. I love that, right? Um, everybody needs to be of service. Everybody needs a purpose. Uh, I hope someday my purpose is more than just running my mouth, but right now I run my mouth a lot. And because of that, uh, I've started to to engage with a lot of other people and get a lot of p- other people involved in things that they wouldn't normally be involved in. Right, like Springfield Recovery Community Center. Last year, we had over ten thousand people come through the door. We had another thirty-five hundred people engage with us at outside events, and this year, I'd like to see fifteen thousand people come through our door and eight to ten thousand people engaged in outside events, so that we can continue to spread this message of recovery and continue to let people know that it's not just about being financially secure. Even though that that is a piece of it, right? Being financially secure definitely takes away a lot of stress and pressure and depression, anxiety. Um, It's not about having a roof over your head, even though that is also very, very important. Um, That's a piece, right? But a lot of times people get this this concept of, of clean. And clean just means that I am not actively using I hate the word clean. I don't ever want to... I'm clean for like five seconds after I step out of the shower. And the rest of my day, I'm in long-term recovery. Because clean just means abstinent. And if that's all you're shooting for is abstinence, I'm going to guarantee one of a couple things. Um, You're either going to go back to the old behaviors, or more often than not, you're probably going to be miserable. And 10 years from now, you're still going to be sitting around tables and talking at least once a month about how, you, how hard it was for you to not use, right? I'm sorry. If you've got 10 years uh, of recovery and yet at least once a month, it's an active struggle where you feel the need to tell everybody about it because of how close you came to using, you're missing something in your life. Um, I, people used to tell me that I'm not supposed to work other people's programs, but I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I was a therapist for eight and a half years. So people paid me to work their programs. And to tell you the truth, recovery, clean people. Yes. If I'm just clean 10 years from now, I am probably still, you know, uh, dry drunk, uh, dry bag. I am still probably struggling because I've never found purpose. I may have found some community, and I feel that I can pour myself into that community, but I haven't truly found my purpose. Because I guarantee you, your purpose is so much more than just not using. Recovery is about not using, but it's also about improving your life spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, financially. Um, It's about 
changing every single thing in your life and making it better and working with people and when whenever you come to a piece that you don't know how to work through you find mentors you find sponsors you find people that can help you with that piece of your life so that you can continue to build and you probably fire a lot of people in your life that you brought on as mentors or sponsors because they have reached a point where they are fine to be where they're at um i hate good I hate it because good is an excuse for a lot of people because a lot of people get told they're doing good. They feel they're doing good and they stop right there. I believe that you were not made to be good. I believe you were created to be amazing. You were created to be great. And because of that, you are going to constantly have to find new people to continue to build you up. You're going to have to surround yourself with more and more people. Now, the cool thing about that is that your circle will grow bigger, right? Unless you live your life like I do, and then it gets really confusing sometimes. I was talking uh, to some people about this um, last week, and I talked about it again today, but somebody said this to me, and now I say it about myself because I struck a chord and they were right. My recovery looks different than a lot of people's, and I hope your recovery looks different too. It should be yours. But I was talking to somebody, and they're like, you know, you're in a weird spot because you're too Jesus-y for the recovery people, and you're too recovery for the Jesus people. And it really struck a chord because I have people that are alienated because my recovery doesn't look exactly like theirs. And either I don't talk about a brand of recovery support the way I should, or I talk about God too much, or I don't talk about God enough, right? Or I don't talk about this recovery support, um, or I talk too much about this recovery support. So it's this weird place. I think for a lot of us, which is why I believe in these inclusive events. When I bring in speakers for like the big annual float we do, I have at least three different uh, fellowships that are represented there. And I'd like to get it to where it's four or five different speakers, each one of them having a different pathway to recovery because we don't all recover on the same continuum. And I want everybody to feel welcome at everything that we do, you know. I don't want to have an exclusive pro-social activity. I want every single pro-social activity we have to be fully inclusive and accepting so that anybody can walk in and not feel ostracized or alienated. Um, I've said it before. I, I've said it again. If you are going to 12-step meetings and you're not using, guess what? You're in recovery. If you are going to celebrate recovery, church, living free, and you're not using, you're in recovery. If you are prescribed medication and you're not using, you're in recovery. If you are going to smart recovery or life ring and you're not using, you're in recovery. If you went to prison for five years and left there not using, you're in recovery. If you went to treatment and never used again, you're in recovery. And here's the part that, that a lot of people don't like. If, based on a SAMHSA definition of what recovery is, if you are using and you are practicing harm reduction techniques, you're in a form of recovery. 
You know, that one, man, blew my mind the first time uh, Chad talked to me about that. It's a guy named Chad Sabora from St. Louis, and the first time he said that, it blew my mind. But the more I thought about it, based on the Samson definition, it's self-directed. Um, it is definitely somebody seeking to improve their life. There's so many different things in it that... But what I'm saying is I don't want people to feel ostracized. I don't know. I mean, I've gone through a lot of rabbit trails and everything else on this one because, like I said, I'm crazy tired. But I guess in summation, I just want to say if you live in a community where there are not a lot of people in recovery that are going out in the community and doing positive things, start something. Um, if you live in a community where there are people who are going out in the community in recovery and doing positive things, join that organization. And you might say I'm doing it just to, if my wife was listening, she would hate this. Uh, in fact, my boss with MRN would too. But I mean, I'm not just saying this so I can pimp my own organization, but the honest to God truth is we need more people doing positive things in our community and talking about it in front of people that have never seen somebody in recovery. Um, because we have no idea whose opinion we could change. They could be lawmakers. They could be the neighbors that are saying, I don't want these people right NIMBY, not in my backyard. I do not want these people living next to me suddenly going, you know what? I don't care if these people live next to me because these people are amazing neighbors. And ever since they moved in, it's been quieter. In summation, recovery is recovery is recovery is recovery. We need to get along. We need to work together instead of against each other. There's enough people that are trying to fill our recovery full of holes. Um, there's enough people who are trying to always look for the worst in us without us sitting there and looking at the, for the worst in each other. You know, so that is my hope. My hope is that we can create these amazing networks, um, not just around Southwest Missouri, not just around Missouri, um, but around our entire country, you know, um, and I'm sure there's other people doing amazing things all around the world, but we need to bullhorn this out. And the best way we can do it is if we get people involved. So if you're doing something for your recovery and it's working for you, that's amazing. I would challenge you to do a little bit more. I would challenge you to engage in pro-social activity, to step outside of your comfort zone because you don't grow in your comfort zone. And if you continue to do just what you're doing, you're not really going to grow that much from where you're at. And like I said, I will never be complacent. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. You were created to be amazing. So challenge yourself. Continue to find new people and more people to add to your group to build you up. Remember that old saying, you show me your, f your friends, I'll show you your future. Continue to add friends with better and better futures because they will pull you up to their level. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a better life and recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B L I R underscore N P O. Also, this podcast is part of the studio DNA podcast network. You can find out more about the network at studio DNA Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week.
Hi there. My name's Jack, and I love horrible movies. Each week on the Horrible Movie Podcast, producer Phil, a guest, and I talk about a horrible movie. We talk about the actors, directors, the budget, the box office, and like thereof. You also get silly songs, fake commercials, and too much fun to list on this promo. Available everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible.